Welcome to episode 111 of Auto Off Topic. What's up, Brad? Not much. What's going on with you? Oh, not too much. Just another Wednesday night. It is. We're about to talk complaining about the weather again, guys. Hold on to your hats. No. No, I wasn't going to go there. I didn't say we are going to this week. We're not going to. But by next week, we're going to be because it's supposed to get real cold tonight. It's supposed to come up, though. Back up. For like a minute. We're, all right, we're going. We're verging into weather territory. Stop. Because there's still two cars and coffees left. One. Nope. Two. Nope. One. Uh, I went on Facebook, mm-hmm. and there's a 21st, and then a November 9th. Correct. Okay. But I don't think the November 9th one is going to happen. Okay. But so it's potentially, this is the second to last one, but there is one happening. Sunday. 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 October Sunday. 21st. This Sunday. This Sunday. Um, assuming you're listening to this on time, it will be in Salem, New Hampshire at the coffee factory. Yes. on uh, Clough crossing road. Just Google it. It's coffee factory, Salem, New Hampshire. You can go on Facebook, Southern New Hampshire cars and coffee. There's an event for it. Uh, I plan on going. You're going to go in the morning. I'll definitely be there. hundred percent. Yeah. I'm going to bring the talent out and I'll be in the sport. Cool. So that's, uh, um, eight or nine believe that starts at 8. I think it's 9. Let me double check. I think it starts at 8. But if you get there at 8. Actually, I think you're right. I think it is 8. Let me check, yeah. check real quick, though. Pretty sure it's 8. Regardless, you can get there at 8 and have coffee. And wait for everybody else. Check it real quick. Or be with everybody else. I'm trying, but my computer is being slow here in the basement again for some reason, even though you have all new internet. Well, let me see if I can get to it. It's half loaded up. Is well, it's half loaded now, but it won't show the event time. October twenty first. Nine a.m. You're correct. Brad is the winner. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Pedantic updates. Nine o'clock. Yes. Nine a.m. So be there before nine for good parking. Yep. And for no line for coffee. Because it is supposed to be a clear day. It's probably cool. going to be one of the last real nice days on a Sunday for a cars and coffee, so it should be pretty crowded, I bet. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, take a drink. Uh, how did the Sapporo final prep for Philly go? Project car update time already. Yep. Um, Jump right into it. It went well. It didn't go perfectly. But it went well. Um, end result was the Sapporo made it to Philly and back home again with no incident at all. Car ran great. Transmission worked wonderful. I mean, it couldn't have been any better. But what did you do to it after we talked about the leak? So I think... We talked about the leak and yeah. then we hadn't fixed it yet. The next night after we recorded that podcast... I ran over to the garage right after work. Yeah. You guys cleaned it up I again. ripped the pan down. Oh, you took the whole pan down again. Right? I don't know. I wasn't there. I forget where we left off. No, it was leaking from the edge of the pan. The first time we found it. Not the second leak. No, we talked about the second time. We talked about when it was leaking after cleaning it we saw it on the ground. Yeah, you were trying to fix the door. And you went to move it and there was a big puddle under the car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we talked about pulling the pan down that time. Did you? Did you pull the pan down? I pulled the pan down so two once. times. So it was leaking twice after I finished it. Right. Did I discuss the first time yet? Yes, you did. Okay. So I didn't pull the pan down a second time. No. I discussed that you should just clean it really well and goop over it because it was literally like a pinhole leak. Yes. And that's what I did. Okay. So good. Yeah, and that's I what, forgot what we talked about last no, week. No, <laughs> it's been a long was, week fixing the car, going to Radwood. There was a mad dash getting the car done. Yeah, so it was leaking. So what was happening was when the pan, when the car was off, the fluid fills up into the pan, and it went up above and beyond a point where it was leaking. But it was literally just a pinhole, and it was actually like finding its way through up and out. It wasn't like a pouring out leak. No, it was slowly seeping through as it sat. It was like a typical oil leak. It was just a slippery, you know, fluid made its way through a tiny little pinhole. Yeah. 
So yeah, I put it up in the air, um, cleaned it all. I, I sucked all the fluid out of it with like a transfer pump through the dipstick tube Oh. so that I'd be able to not have it actively leaking fluid as I was trying to patch the outside of it oh, okay. because I wanted the um, RTV to have a chance to set up without any fluid against it so that would not be an issue leaking again in the future. Okay. Um, the problem is the problem all stems back to the fact that this is a Chrysler based 904 based transmission, but it's in a slightly different housing made by Mitsubishi. Yeah. And nobody stocks the proper gasket for it. I don't think anybody ever made the proper gasket for it. It's listed in a bunch of places. It is listed in a bunch of places, but what happens is everybody gets the gasket, goes, God damn it, this doesn't fit. And uses RTV. And then it never gets back and gets corrected. So and now at this point in time, where it's 2018, it doesn't and matter this transmission anymore. Transmission hasn't been used since like '88 in a Montero. In a Montero in RTV a, um, is a completely Max. suitable repair for that. 100. percent No, it is. Um, I do think that at some point, though, let me let me let me back up a second here. So yeah. once I pulled all the fluid out of the the pan, because there's no drain plug in the pan, so I had to pull it out through the dipstick. That's also annoying. Yeah, super annoying. Um, so I pulled it out through the dipstick. <clears throat> waited for a few minutes, cleaned the outside with brake clean, stood there and watched it to make sure no more fluid was seeping through where it was seeping through. And once it stopped seeping through altogether, hit it with some brake clean again, um, and then I just put more RTV on the outside of it, mm-hmm. just kind of encapsulated the area that had an issue, mm-hmm. um, and then let it sit for like two hours. Mm-hmm. After letting it sit for a few hours, I filled it back up with fluid, mm-hmm. Uh, two hours? I do it the next day. Doesn't matter. You let it dry for a while. I let it dry for a while. I might even let it dry overnight. Now I'm thinking about it. All right. Um. Anyway, I filled it back up with transmission fluid mm-hmm. and no leaks. Cool. So I mean, it's not pretty because it's like a gooped RTV in the outside of it now versus just in between the transmission and the pan. But nobody's ever gonna see it. It doesn't matter. So it doesn't it matter. Works. It works exactly. So the pan isn't perfect because it came off of a junkyard transmission. So it was sitting on the ground on the pan. So the only thing I can assume that's going on no, is no, 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 it's no. not. No, no, no. It wasn't on the ground. It was on a shelf way above the sky. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so the only thing I can assume is that the pan is just not perfectly flat. And, you know, I tried to make it as flat as possible by putting it down on the concrete floor and just tapping it around the edges um, against the smooth surface of the floor to try to flatten it out. But... Mm-hmm. It might be one little bend in it somewhere. Who knows? So anyway, it's not leaking. Life is good. Yep. Fast forward to after that, I wanted to change coolant hoses on your suggestion, actually, because they looked a little... They seem soft. Soft. And then I saw the one that you took off. It looked kind of swollen. Yeah. I mean, they probably would have been fine, but I it was cheap insurance. You know, I think the hoses were like $8 and $9. They weren't a lot of money. And when I took them off, there was a significant amount of corrosion mm-hmm. on the aluminum, yep. on the water pump, mm-hmm. and on the thermostat housing on the engine. Mm-hmm. So it was good to get that all off of there anyway, because A, it's a potential source for leaks, and B, it's just not good to introduce any kind of corrosion into your cooling system. It also looked like garbage. It also looked terrible, yes. Yeah. It just looked like a non-maintained car. So I'm not sure what caused it, just... Different metals and damp air and yeah, who knows. But nonetheless, it's cleaned up now. Um, I was just worried about you know cruising down the road in the middle of New Jersey and poosh, the hose blows off. Yeah, exactly. And the engine instantly overheats. And then we have another G54B that needs a head. And you're stranded away from home. So. Anyway, <laughs> change the coolant hoses. Yeah. Um, that wasn't a very eventful you know, experience. I mean, they were pretty much glued on at the um, those two places I talked about because of the corrosion. So yeah. One of them had to be cut off in order to get it off, yep. but I got it off, and the new hoses fit. They were cut to fit, so they're like a basic angles are correct, and then you just trim them to fit because mm-hmm. they're not, you know, they're, they're so sort of universal. Yeah, we have that, my dad has that giant hose cutting tool that looks like if you got your finger stuck in it, it would just chop it off. I didn't use it, actually. I just used a, like, box cutter. Oh. Yeah. Oh, we didn't know I didn't, it was in there. I didn't know there was a tool for that. Yeah, it makes a nice 
beautiful clean cut noses. Yeah. But I could have used it because it's a little jagged on one of them, but whatever. That's all right. I'll show you where it is next time. It works, so it doesn't matter. It's like a giant cigar cutter. That's kind of cool. Um, so, yeah, I cut them with a regular box cutter. Um, so that happened. Last thing had to be done was a muffler because it had no muffler on it. Did you change the oil too? I did. All right. And oil, fil- oil and filter. Um, Easy. No check, check the rear diff. Yeah. Which I was pretty sure I did back when I first bought the car in yeah. 2012. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't remember. Yeah. So I pulled the fill plug off and it immediately started to leak out. So it was still plenty full. All right. Um, and it looked clean. So I just put the plug back in and called that a day. Um, what else are we talking about? Oh, I jacked up all four corners and checked wheel bearings because we were going to be doing a long trip to, to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So all that was good. Tie rods are good. Ball joints are good. Mm-hmm. Everything was nice and tight. In fact, fast forward to today, and I got an inspection sticker, but we'll reverse back to Friday now. Yeah. So, so I needed a muffler. Yep. And I had to put tires on because the tires that were on it were well past their prime. And the wheels that the tires were on were also well past their prime. Oh, yes. Based on style. <laughs> they were put on the car in 2011 by the previous owner. Um, and they were probably fashionable at the time, but they weren't fashionable Barely. anymore. Um, I never really liked them, but they had brand new tires on them when I got them. So I just ran them. Um, but it was time to replace the tires now. So it was time to change everything. And I wanted to change the wheels and change the whole look of the car. So Friday morning, I set off to work. Uh, I brought the car with me, now fully legally road registered and ready to go. Um, and there's a guy across the street from my work who runs a little muffler shop. So I figured I don't have time to do this myself. I'm going to throw the guy some business and have him weld on a muffler. Um, he wound up replacing from in front of the axle all the way to the back. Um, there's a big loop that goes over the rear axle housing. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a relief in the floor pan of the car for the pipe to sit inside of. Um, and he bent the thing up perfectly. So it sits inside that relief and over the axle the way it should. Um, and it looks the way it should. Wasn't he totally shocked, too, when he asked you if he could jack it up on the pinch welds? Yeah. Yeah, I was like, yeah, don't worry. So he can jack up the pinch welds. He's like, it's like an 83. I was like, it's totally fine. So he jacked it up on the pinch welds and was like, man, this thing's perfect underneath. Because California. Yeah. So... Yeah, so he put the exhaust on. If anybody in this area needs exhaust work, I'd recommend him. Um, it's a Andy's undercar in Salem. Yeah. I mean, he took it in with no appointment and... Montero's got an exhaust leak, so... Hung the muffler on it, and, I mean, it wasn't terribly expensive. I mean, he had to hand bend it. Well, he had his machine to bend it, but he had to, you know, cut and paste and cut and paste and cut and paste and make the thing work, and it was like 180 bucks, including parts. So yeah, sometimes that's worth it. Can't really complain because it would have taken us all day and it would have been frustrating and it probably still would have cost me 60 or, 60 or 70 bucks yeah. in parts. Actually, it probably cost me 100 bucks for a muffler. So I'd love to learn how to weld. and I've done it a couple times on a muffler, but that wasn't the time to do yeah. it. Yeah, and honestly, the welds on this job aren't like pretty, but they work. Yeah. So I'm not, I don't need a show car weld finish. So yeah. For 180 bucks, I'm not expecting it to be like, you know, the perfect stack of dimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. The next time I have the time and I'm working on a project and I can fabricate my own exhaust and there's no rush, I will do it myself. Yeah. Or we'll do it ourselves. But So the last thing that needed to happen yeah. was I needed to mount tires on wheels. Uh-huh. And I was having such a heavy internal debate about what size tires to run. I didn't know if I wanted to run two... 15, sorry, 205 5015s or 205 6015s or split the difference with a 205 5515. Mm-hmm. And it may sound trivial, but. It did to me. But to Because I knew what tires to run. But to me, having the proper height sidewall to the stance of the car and the size of the wheel is very important because it completely changes the way the car looks. If it's too tall of a sidewall, it looks dumb. If it's too small of a sidewall, it looks dumb. It has to be just right. So you had on your old OZ rally wheels mm-hmm. from your Gallant a set of probably 75% used um, Yokohama S-drives. Yep. 
in a 205-55, perfectly splitting the difference between the 50s and the 60s. And they were mounted on 15 by 7 wheels. And they were mounted on 15 by 7s which is the exact same size wheel that I had, mm-hmm. so I knew they would look good. Mm-hmm. Um, my first thought was just to mount your wheels on my car and run the OZs. Mm-hmm. But with a plus 38 offset, the 15 by 7 wouldn't even sit flush on the hubs in the front. Yeah, it's a front-wheel drive offset. You're trying right. to put it on a rear-wheel drive car. Correct. So work. what was happening was the tire was hitting the strut. And it wouldn't even mount flush with the car. I would have needed like a quarter-inch wide spacer. Yeah. So I wasn't going to run that on the front of my car. So didn't use those. Now I had to decide whether I wanted to take the time to take the wheels off of my Starion, which are a 15 by 7 0 offset, Anki 92. Which would have looked great. Or run the 15 by 7 plus 12 offset, um, Watanabe RSs, which didn't have any tires on them, and were already off of a car, which made life easier. Mm-hmm. So based on that logic, I went with the Botanabies. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to my father, who I threw a little shade at last weekend, but he helped me out huge this week um, with getting my tires and wheels mounted. Mm-hmm. He loaded them all up in the back of my truck while I was at work, mm-hmm. drove them down to a tire shop, had the tires taken off of your OZs, mm-hmm which unfortunately they marred the finish on a little bit. We'll take care of that later. Mm-hmm. Um, and mounted them on my Watanabes. Yeah. He went down and picked them up and drove them home, was unloading from the truck, and realized that they were not never balanced. Oh. Yeah. So he had to drive all the way back down to the shop and have them balanced, to which he said to the guy, why wouldn't you balance these? And the guy said, oh, you just said you wanted me to mount them. Oh, my God. And he was like, yeah, it's implied that you will balance them after you've mounted I them. I know. I know you say mounted and balanced sometimes, but it it's, it should be redundant. Yeah, it should exactly. be the same thing. Nobody's gonna run wheels. You just mount on a like <laughs> absolute nightmare. So anyway, my father's like, yeah. He's like, I told the guys like, hey, I told you he was driving the car to Philadelphia. Like, he's not gonna want to drive to Philadelphia on four unbalanced wheels. That would be an absolute nightmare. The wheels would probably shake themselves loose and fall off the car. <laughs> so anyway, he managed to do. That for me during the day, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Huge thanks to him. Um, especially considering he was suffering from a medical malady and wound up in the hospital later that day. After doing that for me. Mm-hmm. He put off going to the hospital to do that for me. So that was cool. Shouldn't have done that, but I appreciate that he did. He's okay. There's no no big problems. He's fully recovered now one week later. But anyway, so got the wheels... Back to your father's garage where the car was. Yep. Now mounted and balanced. Yep. Uh, you met me there. We bolted them on the car, and I have not been that happy in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> they looked absolutely perfect. Yeah. Like, the wheel's perfect. The offset's perfect. The t- tire sidewall is perfect. It just, it, the car just sat beautifully. It changed the whole look of the car. The car looks a thousand times better. So good. So, so good. Yeah, as some yeah, people so, would say, so. I would say it's yes. so so. Yeah, no, the car looks really, really good now. Um, it's the way I envisioned it in my brain, so I'm very glad that you had two hundred five fifty fives because they're the way to go. Yeah, and the speedometer is actually closer too than it was before because mm-hmm. they're a bigger overall mm-hmm. diameter than the. I think it had two. No, it had one ninety five forty fives on sixteens, which were like, I don't know, it was that weird stretch look, which is not my favorite. No. Save the sidewalls. Yeah, big meaty sidewalls are way better looking. Car looks damn good now. And it rides better, and it looks better, and it handles better. Like, I, I the, the car has got some serious, you know, it's not like a, our compound tire or any means, but yeah. it's predictable, it's quiet, it, it just handles so much better now. So, great success. Great success. Yeah. Well, now you, you've got a little time... Uh, when you bring the car out next spring, you can drive it for a little while and then mount some fresh ones on there. Yeah, I'll buy the same tires again because they yeah. look perfect and they fit perfect. Mm-hmm. I do want to do a four-wheel brake job to the car because yes. the pads are pretty low, yeah. a few millimeters left. Um, plus, it could stand a refresh on the brakes. Um, the rotors are a little Yeah, flush all the hydraulic fluid out. Yeah. Um, there's also that low-speed vibration I rode in it, taken off from a... It's an acceleration vibration. So I think I did the carrier bearing... Okay. We didn't have U-joints at the time, and I just reused the ones that were in there. Okay. We should try replacing the U-joints. Do you think it's going to be U-joints? It, they could cause that. 
Because we put you joints in it the last time. I, I don't think it. you did. They looked real old. Nah, they looked they original. I don't know. The it's only from a stop. And only under, like, a load. Your joints are cheap. And yeah, you're done right. in, like, two hours on that car. Okay. So. Well, no, I want, I want to go through a bunch on that car. I want to do a bunch of different... I want to get the AC working again, too, because... Everything's there. The idler pulley just let go. Yeah. So it'd be good to have that car have AC again. And I still just kinda, um, don't want a five speed to have it. Run that transmission for a little while. <laughs> yeah. No, I probably won't do that anytime soon. I have too many other a, projects. It was a pain to get it out and in. Yeah. I have too many other projects right now, but that's still on the. Yeah. Eventually. It would make that car so much nicer. I do some more restoration to it first. Uh, I think if I go the level of five-speed swapping it, the car is going to get a full new paint job and everything. Yeah, I'd go that way, doing some of that stuff first before getting going down the road. Because yeah. it works. So, you want to talk about what happened to the doors? I don't really want to admit it, but fine. So, at some point in the car's life, something must have damaged the inside of the door. Yeah. Um, because... Or, or a factory flaw... It could have been a factory flaw. Mitsubishi's known for having weird sheet metal issues like that. Um, rust formed on the inside of the door. Not against anything. Not against any braces. Not against any bolts. Um, just kind of randomly in a couple of spots in the middle of the door, like three inches down from the belt line. Um, I saw a little rust bubble on the outside of the door, and I assumed that the paint had chipped at some point and moisture had gotten under the paint. And I was just going to scratch it down um, and do a little bit of um, SEM like rust converter on it. Mm-hmm. And then just spot in a little silver to make it, you know, stop it from spreading. So I went to scrape it down. And instead of just scraping off a top coat, I all of a sudden had a, what would you say, an eighth of an inch round hole mm-hmm. in two places in the door. No other rust in the car anywhere. Just these two spots in the door. I don't get it. Um, super frustrating because the car is rust free. Mm-hmm. It had to start off from the inside because mm-hmm. it looked like a little just mark on the outside. So they had to have been, at some point somebody must have gone into that door and done something and cracked the paint. Or when the car was being put together, they scored the finish on the inside, and it just it worked its way out over the past thirty-five years. Mm-hmm. So I now have to fix the doors. Um. I was going to do a temporary fix, mix up some mar glass, put it on a piece of like metal tape, put it in the back of the door, knock it down, put a little Bondo filler on the outside, and spray it silver and let it sit for a while, and just use it to run it that way, but I didn't, because I ran out of time, uh-huh. so I did the super, super cheesy fix of, I just put two little pieces of silver striped tape over the hole, Yeah, and nobody noticed it, I don't think. At least nobody brought it up, so it's cool. But I know it's there. I want to get it fixed right. I don't want this kind of rust away. I know it seems extreme to say rust away when all this is like a small spot in the door, but it bothers me tremendously. So mm-hmm. I, I am leaning more towards painting the whole car now. Mm-hmm. Um, it would The car is nice enough that it deserves it, I think. I've had the car for five years. The interior is mint, so... Yeah. Uh, it would really set it off with new silver paint. And it doesn't really require any heavy body work. There's a few little dings and dents. There's a dent in the front fender that's Somebody in there. Somebody can pull it. Pull it the, can be pull, fixed. Pull the hood. I'd probably try to find a hood for it. It's probably not impossible. They're probably out there. It's got a few ripples in the hood just from being in a junkyard at one point in its life. Yeah. Sure stuff was stacked on top of it. Um, it's simple colors, too. It's just a silver. It's a plain silver and, and a plain black. Yep. With a silver and red pinstripe in between the two colors. Nothing mm-hmm. difficult at all. So it's just, you know, getting it done. Yeah. But I, I want to I want to preserve the car, and I think the proper way to preserve this car is to paint the car, make the car look new, get rid of all the imperfections. Were the taillight surrounds silver? Yes. Well, they're kind of like yellow plastic color now. Yeah, the, like the silver just kind of. One of them actually has a crack in it. Sunk in. So it could be. It could be. You know. Bonded back together and saying it's smooth. I can't find one. So. Yeah, and the top of the bumper is that supposed to be black or supposed to be silver? Silver, just kind of. So it's silver. half silver and half black, yeah. and it just you know the car was in California its yeah. whole life, so yeah. it got sun beaten, yeah. 
and faded away. Somehow the interior is in really great shape. Mitsubishi's of the era really were. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a Starion with a cracked dash. Yeah. Have you ever seen a Montero with a cracked dash? No. Yeah, they were a really they were really good quality at that point. They figured it out sometime in between Colt and Starion. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So the car ran great. Car made it to Radwood. Car made it home from Radwood. Car made an impression in Radwood. Car made an impression in Radwood. We'll talk about that later, I guess. Um, yeah. All right. So quickly on the Montero, we talked about quite a few episodes ago. It had a ripped ball joint on the tie rod end. Hmm. Uh, I just popped that in. Yeah, we talked about that when we were doing the um, axle. Yeah, I I grabbed one, popped it in. Actually, Uh, I didn't know you did that. (laughs) Yeah, I did last night. It was so fast. And uh, the other thing, my my dad had, um, when I was getting the town ready to go, we just did like a tape measure alignment. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, there's these things called toe plates. You can do alignments at home with them. He's like, oh, that's neat. Next day, he's like, oh, I bought a set. I was like, okay, cool. Um, so we actually used those on the Montero. So we set it up. Oh, you have used them already. Yeah. So b- before we took it apart, we measured it because I know the truck was aligned recently. It drives straight, like within a year. It drives perfectly straight down the road. So we checked it. Like, all right, cool. Those are the measurements. So we know it's lined up straight. It was nice and even. Nice. So took it apart. Which actually, with the way that lift is set up being a roll-on lift, you could actually leave wheels and tires on the ground and get the tire rod in off. Yeah, which is actually convenient. Um, Plus one for the roll-on lift. Yeah. And then we did have to pop the wheel out a little bit, but then we put it back and then used the toe plates and checked it, and it was uh, it had to be adjusted just a tiny bit, and it was straight, and I drove the truck today, and it drives straight down the road. So those toe plates are pretty cool. Uh, so they're basically just sheet metal aluminum that's been formed and then has some cutouts and they sell them to you with these two cheapish tape measures, but whatever. Whatever. wasn't part of the expense of the part. It was no, cheap they have... Tape measure. Yeah, they have cutouts in them and the plates for these tape measures. So you can use them on the front and rear wheels, and you line them up. Uh, they've got these little pins that come out of them. You put them against the wheel, and, you know, they're not going to be laser aligned, but they'd be pretty darn close. Yeah, you can make it pretty and good. And... The amount of cars I have and that we have, it gets really expensive to have alignments done. Yes, it does. And you're not looking for like a track alignment on everything. Yeah. Uh, although you could do it with these. Um, and it's just it's and it's also just frustrating from a time standpoint to like drop the car off, get it picked up, but whatever. Uh, it's more of a you know because we're DIY enthusiasts here. It's just like. Thing. I'm, I'm just interested in doing it myself I mean, are we and really trying it. DIY enthusiasts or are we money saving enthusiasts? There's a combination Both. of the two. Both. Yeah. I'm just interested in doing it my like just doing it. I just yeah. like I like the fact of like I like the act of doing it. I'm not a huge fan of the act of doing it. I'm a huge fan of finishing a project and feeling the satisfaction of finishing the project. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um so I am gonna use them on the talent again. We'll double check the front. However, it did drive nice and straight. We actually we could use them on the Sapporo because it does pull, and uh, I do. If you look at the back of the town, the rear, it's got multi-link in the rear with adjustability, and it mm-hmm. does have some toe in in the rear that probably needs to be adjusted out a bit. Uh, it's probably too much because I think the tires I had on there since like 2003, those uh, Kumos had some chop to the ones that were in the back, the okay. inside. So you could definitely tell they were probably towed in too much. And I had that car professionally aligned, and it was never addressed. So um, there's also that, like, right. Sometimes, you know, you don't get what you want or what you ask for when they do an alignment. So, yeah, there are very few alignment shops that do a good job. In yeah. fact, uh, an alignment shop that I know of around here who we've never mentioned before, but they'll remain nameless anyway. Um, we use them a lot through my work. Um, and we asked for a four wheel alignment on a car. Yeah. Uh, and he told me that any shop that says they're doing a four wheel alignment is lying. He's like, we don't do four-wheel alignments. Nobody does four-wheel alignments. Yeah, that doesn't... I mean, it totally depends on the vehicle. And the shop. Yeah, but like... That's not a blanket statement you should make if you're an alignment shop. It's not. Like a a front-wheel drive Camry with like a beam axle or whatever the hell those have now or whatever cheap front-wheel drive car has a beam axle now, there's probably very little rear adjustment. There's no adjustment anyway. Or at all. So yes, that would be a two-wheel alignment in the front. Correct. But... Uh, 
all-wheel drive car like a Subaru, mm-hmm. you can 100% do a four-wheel alignment. And that's the car we were talking about. It was an Audi we were talking about. Okay, an Audi, 100%. Yeah, and they said, no, no, we just did a front alignment because no. anybody that says they did a four-wheel alignment is lying to you. Nobody, nobody spends – I have to charge you twice as much to do a four-wheel alignment. No, you, you wouldn't because other shops definitely do it. Yeah. And now the car is tracking crooked down the street. Yeah. Like, it's not good. Generally, if the rear is never touched, you don't have to unless you lower it. But in your world where it was Auto probably body. in an accident. Yeah, car accidents. And the chassis was tweaked and you guys replaced a bunch of stuff, it needs to be set back to yes. zero. We had two in a row that was a problem with. One of them was a Ford Expedition. Yep. Um, which has independent rear now. Yep. And that needed an alignment in the rear because it was hitting the rear, and one of them was an Audi. And now I have to be very specific when I drop a vehicle off for an alignment. Again, you wanted these balanced? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, different job, so. I know, but, you know, same kind of thing. But, you know, it's like, geez. Anyway. Um, yeah, so that was pretty much Project Car Updates for now. Yeah, I haven't worked on anything else. Yeah, I am going to go home tonight and change coolant in a car because it might go below freezing over the evening. Well, that's the cold because you were testing it with water. Yes. And now all of a sudden it's going to be cold. Yeah, now all of a sudden summer is over. Yeah, summer over. Yeah, so I'll probably fill that with coolant. Friendship with summer ended. Yes. But winter is not best friend now. Nope. Never ever. Uh, So, yes, we were alluding to it, but we drove the cars to Philly. I don't think we alluded to it. I think we flat out said it. Yeah. Yeah. and uh, we left early Saturday morning, and uh, we had planned kind of roughly to be there around noontime, one-ish. And we had remembered that the Simeon Foundation Car Museum was down there. Yes. So we went there first. And it just so happened it was on a demonstration day, which is, I guess, not every Saturday. It's, it's like, not common at all. It's like a few times a year. Yeah. And it was the Ferrari day. Yeah, uh, a new book came out about Enzo Ferrari. Yeah. And the author of said book um, was there. But we kind of got there after they'd done a bunch of the main stuff, but they still had cars outside hanging out. Um, one was, uh, was it, that's a 57250TR. Yeah, Testarossa. The pontoon car. Yeah. In red. Yeah, like a 30 some odd million dollar car. Something like that. Yeah, 38 Gorgeous million. Gorgeous car. Sold for. Um, and then I, one I'd never seen before, which was a 54-375MM. Yeah, Mille Miglia. Never seen that before. It was a beautiful car. Uh, there was a big, huge Alpha. I don't know what it was. There's a couple pre-war race cars that... I, they obviously weren't Ferraris, that yellow car. Alfa Romeos. They're Alphas. Yep. So they're probably... Actually, that, that makes sense because they would have been... Uh, the theme was they were probably cars that quote-unquote, would have been worked on by Enzo Ferrari because he worked for Alpha before he started Ferrari, which was after World War II. Correct. Yeah, there were like four or five Alphas outside mm-hmm. and then a couple, a couple of Ferraris, and then there were a bunch of like you know, local ownership Ferraris that were there. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, just gorgeous stuff. Mm-hmm. And they, we were there while they were putting them away. They fired them up and did a little lap around the parking lot and then and drove not, back in. If I'm not mistaken, the author of the book – called Enzo Ferrari is um, Luca Del Monte. Makes sense. Yeah. And he was there doing like a meet the author, autograph the signing. Del Monte tomato air. No, I'm just kidding. Could, Probably couldn't not. Tell you. Couldn't tell you. Um, uh, but he was there doing like a, a thing, like a, a book tour. A book signing. Yeah, a book signing. A presentation. So they did a, a demonstration day with Ferraris in the collection. Yeah. So it's a huge warehouse near the Philly airport area. In yeah. Kind of really a dumpy cool area, actually. Like, yeah, it's not in a great place. And it's really weird. You go in and you're like, oh, this is kind of strange. Um, and if we're being honest, like the actual building and stuff, not great. It's not like, impressive. <laughs> like compared to the like gorgeousness of the Peterson or, yeah, or even our local museum. Lars Anderson. Lars Anderson, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't matter because the collection inside. Insane. Yeah. Probably it's private owned collection. Yes. So it's all owned by Dr. Simeon. Yep. Um, and it's one of the most impressive personally owned collections I've ever seen. Most museums I've been to have cars on loan from other collections. This is all owned by Dr. Simeon. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the stuff that he has. So some standouts. I mean, the, he had a 57 TR. Yep. First off. The um, 
Grand Sport Roadster, the most original, most original in one existence. in existence. Yeah, it's white with a blue stripe. Yes, which is a weird car. Yep. And then he has another one, a Grand Sport replica, that is put over the original chassis of that white and blue one, so that they can vintage race that chassis without fear of damaging that mostly original body, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. And then the Shelby Cobra Coupe. But not any Cobra, the Cobra Coupe, yep. Which apparently is the one that was registered as historic vehicle number one. Yeah, it's the one that was run at Bonneville and was run at Le Mans and was run all over the place. Unrestored. It's got dings and dents on it, paint chips. Yep. It's very cool. And it's funny because in your brain, the color on those is a lot more vibrant blue. A lot more vibrant blue than yeah. it actually is it's kind of a in dull, real life. Boring blue, kind of almost more of a teal than like a deep, like a deep blue. And it was my first time ever seeing one in person as well. I've only ever seen like the kit car versions of them. I feel like I've seen one at Lime Rock running historics, but maybe not. I don't think you have. Um, maybe you have. I don't know. I haven't been there every year, but I've never seen one in person. I've only seen the kit cars, and the proportions are kind of weird. Are different. So the kit cars have been made a little more elegant looking, mm-hmm. and they look a little more proportional and like because they want to sell them, yeah, <laughs> so they make yeah. them pretty. Whereas this car, it's a little ungainly looking because it's meant to just fit around the chassis and work. Yeah, um, it was a weird not aerodynamic. A lot of, not a lot of thought put into design versus aerodynamics. So it's yeah, just it was it was more of an aerodynamic experiment exercise. Yeah. yeah, so it's not as pretty as the kit car versions are. Yeah. But it's cool, and it's obviously way cooler than them. Um, another standout, other than the 57TR and the one, the 375mm, was the Porsche 917, the psychedelic paint car. Yeah. The purple one with the green, like the real car. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I thought at first when I saw it, maybe it was a replica because there is a replica running around locally. Yeah. But it wasn't. Nope. It was the real car. There was a bunch of pre-war Le Mans sports cars. Yep. Open-wheeled cars, which were awesome. Yep. Then the... Two GT40s. A yeah, Mark, a Mark Two and a Mark Four. No, Mark Three. Mark Two and a Mark Four. I believe the yellow car was a Mark Three. It was not because I made an Instagram post about it and I made sure I got it correct. Okay. Because I took a picture of the signage in front of it. The Mark Four was interesting because it was a long tail version that was done for '67. Yes. And it's a really, again, not a very attractive car. No, the Mark Two is way prettier. Yes. It, when you picture a GT40 in your brain, you picture the Mark II. Yeah. The long tail is purely uh, an aero experiment, and it did set a, ra- a lap record. So it's neat in that aspect. But I actually wouldn't want to own one because it's well, – I don't know how many there are. It's probably only that one long tail. Um, but it's kind of gross. 66 Mark II. Okay. And uh, it it's funny because in yellow, it almost looks like a kit car. Because you're used to seeing the kit cars in yellow. Yeah, it's such yeah. a ridiculous looking yellow. Yeah, it's definitely not though. Okay, I was wrong. Um, and then no, I mean it's definitely not a kit car. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then it's funny the museum has like little diorama displays for everything. Yeah, but they look like they were like school projects, like school play, like yeah. a backdrop for a school yeah. play. Like they had the GT40s parked in front of, like the tie the the. The Dunlop, the Dunlop tire. tire that goes over the straight, but it was like clearly cardboard, like well, the plywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had like a bunch of like fake trees behind them, and like fake fencing. It just didn't. It was still better than other museums I've been to, where the cars just parked next to each other, like lined up in a. In no, a they, giant made, room. they made a, they made a valiant effort at it. Yeah, yeah. But they definitely spent a lot more on the cars than they yeah. did on the display for yeah. the cars. That was cool. Um. And they had like a back annex that had some kind of wild stuff in it. Yeah, it was kind of the lesser important car section. They did have a Bill Elliott Coors stock car, which yeah. is pretty sweet. They oh, had, what else is that? A uh, Lancaster? What was that British sports car? The blue thing? Yeah. I can look it up. I feel I, like it was I a Lancaster sure a or something. Um, it was something that was Squire. kind of rare. A Squire. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty cool. 1933 Squire Roadster. Considered one of the most beautiful English sports cars of the 30s. Yeah, it was very. It looks. It looks later than a 33. Yeah. When we look at it, it looks like a, like a Jaguar, 
uh, SS100 or whatever. Yeah, that was super cool. So Jaguar. Um, so we got to thank Throttle by Cable kept telling us to go because we talk about it and we talk about it. He mentioned to us that we should go. So totally, totally worth it. If you're in the Philadelphia area, look it up. See when it's open. If you can make it on a demonstration day, totally worth it. Yeah, for sure. But worth it by itself. Oh, they had a D-type jack there too. Oh, right. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. And that was kind of cool because that display behind all those Lamar cars mm-hmm. was set up like the pits. Yeah. They actually looked kind of neat over there. They had some original like fueling stations and stuff like that set up behind the cars. Mm-hmm. But it was just funny because I've seen those D-type Jags running at Lime Rock during the historic. So it was kind of like, oh, yeah, whatever. It's D-type Jag. No big deal. No, 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 no. The one with like the single single seat. With talk about the silver cars. No, those are E-types. Oh, okay. No, the D-type is very different from that. Oh, there was a... Yeah, that's right. There was a D-type there. The D-type is the really swoopy... Yep. Very different than the E-types. Yeah. It was the racing prototype, yeah. Yeah. The one... I, um, like the Steve McQueen book on the cover shows him getting in a green one. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Yeah, it was a... Definitely worth a visit. Um, it's not the biggest collection. Probably, I don't know, what, 40 cars or so? Yeah. Maybe a little more, but they're all, they're mostly spectacular. Yeah. Uh, no, it was cool. Pretty amazing place. And then, yeah, it wasn't even that expensive either. It's like 12 bucks a person. Yeah, it wasn't bad at all. No. Oh, very very reasonable entry. And of course, uh, we get there and I go to leave and the talent won't start. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> like, oh, this is where it goes. <laughs> Guess I'm selling the talent in Philly. So, so I'm like, huh, all right. And Stephanie's with us, my wife. She's like, well, we could bump start it, right? And I was like, yeah. I was like, let me look at stuff here. And I look at the floor, and I can see this, like, yellow plastic piece that's on the floor mat area. I'm like... And you recognized it. I think I know what that is. Yeah. So I go up there with a flashlight and I look, and of course there's a little uh, rubber cushion. Now it's dried hard plastic. That when you push the clutch in, it depresses the clutch safety switch, and that's what lets you start the car. <clears throat> now, I have two spares of these in the Galant because I had this happen one time, and I ended up putting a starter in the Galant because of it. Not realizing realize really what simple. it was. Yep. So I bought two spares, and I meant to put one in the Talon and keep one in the Galant because I did bring them with us to Atlanta. Uh, but um, I just happened to have an extra body push clip. So I okay. trimmed it down with some like side cutters. Trim style? Yeah. yeah, I popped it out of the center, the uh, the center piece out of it, and I trimmed it down, stuck it in there, and it's still in there right now. And that's what got the car started, and just kept worked going. for the rest of the weekend. Yep, and it still worked. And the car's home. You didn't have to sell it in Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, so that was just the one weird thing that we had happen. But other than that, car ran great. I got like 24 miles a gallon in that car. How many? 24 miles per gallon. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. I wound up about the same with the Sapporo. Considering is... how rich it's running? Yes. Yeah, I wound up about the same with the Sapporo, which is pretty good considering it's carbureted and automatic. Mm-hmm. So, worked out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I only filled up for gas once on the way home, once on the way back. Like, I left with a full tank and filled up partway there, and it was fine. I left there with a full tank, filled up partway home, and it was fine. No complaints. Worked out. Uh, Pretty well, actually. So then we wrapped up and uh, went to the hotel, which was in the Navy Yard. This beautiful built-up area. Uh, used to be the Philadelphia Navy Yard. Got a new hotel in there, a bunch of office buildings. Park. This nice little park, and that's where the Radwood Show is going to be. So we met up with the DWA guys and Bradley Brownell and the Clutch Kick guys and because uh, we were volunteering to help them uh, do stuff at the show. Yes. Yeah, we went over some details of the show beforehand. Then we hung out. Uh, the next morning, we went over to the show, and uh, you and I helped do a bunch of things. <coughs> yeah, parking cars, checking people in, um, just whatever they needed help with. I laid down with um, Chris from Clutch Kick. We laid down all the cables for the DJ and taped them and down. Taped them down. If anybody ever asks you to tape 
cables to the ground. Like 50 feet of cables. 100, 100 feet each way. <laughs> so it was 200 feet of cables. Um, don't agree to it. It is awful. My knees still hurt because I was not expecting to do that. But yeah, we... Uh... If you were there, if you've seen pictures, you know, it lo- basically looked like a little 80s, 90s town. Yeah. No, it was really neat. They set up around this old uh, barracks and uh, they parked all the cars. And Which the barracks building conveniently had a facade on that looked kind of like the clock tower from Back to the Future. <laughs> it really did. Um, but, I mean, there's coverage of it everywhere. I mean, this show, this was a cool show. It was fun. Yeah. It, uh, it had the vibe. Of the L.A. show did last year. With more cars. With more cars. Yeah. And more people probably. Um, and better food. Yeah. Food selection was awesome. Yes, it was. Um, I had uh, ramen. Like from a ramen truck. There was a pierogi truck. And that's what I had. was a pierogi truck, a ramen truck, and a pizza truck. Yeah. Really good. I didn't get any pizza. I, I didn't bummed. get any pizza either. But the pizza truck had bagels in the morning, which was pretty key. Yeah. Well, I had a breakfast burrito at the place. But anyway. Uh, there was so much stuff that there was things I'm seeing in pictures. I'm like, how, how did I even miss that? Didn't even see that. We were helping park the cars, directing traffic, and didn't even see that car roll in. Yeah. So what happened with the, I mean, I don't want to get. Before we get that far forward, the show started at 11. Right. Okay. It was scheduled to start at 11. S- show starts at 11. I think we had everybody parked by 10, 1030. Everybody showed up early. Like, really early. That's cars how, were showing up at 7.30 in the morning. That's how excited everyone is about this show. Cars were showing up at 7.30 in the morning yeah. for a show that starts at 11. Mm-hmm. You know, we joke all the time about, like, the boomer shows and how, like, you know, the old guys that aren't working and retired go to the park for the 5 o'clock show I at know, 3 o'clock. I know. But this is different because <laughs> people just generally wanted to be involved with this new thing. Um, so the show started at 11. It was, like, 10.30, and I was standing next to Brad, other Brad, and I was like, man, it's 10.30. And he's like, yep. And I said, the show doesn't even start for a half hour. And there's probably 450 cars here. This is absurdity. <laughs> he's like, yep. <laughs> so from 8 o'clock until 10.30, there was a line that wrapped around the block mm-hmm. to get into the show. Unheard of amount of cars. We were just swamped with people, swamped with cars, swamped with questions. Nobody was really angry about waiting in line because they all just understood we were trying to filter everybody into this one entrance. We appreciate it. And it was awesome that nobody was yelling at us. A um, couple of cars had like a minor overheating problem and one had like a minor ground strap problem. But even they weren't mad about it. He just shut it off, let it cool down, and started it back up again. Yeah. Pretty neat. So I got to talk to a lot of people. You know, I tried to make sure that, you know, everybody I saw, I was like, hey, thanks for your patience. Like, yeah, we'll get you in as soon as we can. And it, everybody was just really cool and really just into the whole thing and just happy to be there. Yeah, we appreciate it. It's fun that they let us be involved in it and help out. Yeah. Because we were really, like, badgering them about an East Coast show. I don't know if we really were. We definitely Some were. Some people definitely were. Uh, we definitely asked for it. We asked for it. But I don't think we badgered. I Maybe you badgered, yeah. but I didn't badger. Uh, a lot of people asked for it, and I'm happy that plenty of people showed up. I'm happy that not only did they do it, but we proved that it was worthwhile. We made it worth their time. Yeah. There were jokes all, all about, you know, instead of calling it Radwood in the East Coast, we're going to have to call it Rustwood because all the cars are junk and this, that, and the other thing. Nope. What I don't think is realized by a lot of people that don't live here, yes, that we have so many good cars. And they get hidden, and they're all low miles because they get parked for six to seven months out of the year exactly. while wintertime is here. And then when summertime breaks, everybody takes their cars back out again. This dude, there was a guy that rolled up in a blue Buick Regatta? Riata? Riata? I didn't see a Riata. Most Riatas are red. No. It, earlier Buick. Rear-wheel drive. I don't know what. Rialta? No. Rear-wheel drive wouldn't have been a, uh, a Riata. I don't know. It's a. It was a big Buick that was kind of like a. Describe the car. Like an '80s Cadillac. Was it stock? Yes. Mm. It looked like an '80s Cadillac. I missed this car. Apparently, I don't know what kind of Buick it was. Okay. Roadmaster. No, it was a two-door coupe. Regal Lando top. Regal maybe. A Regal would be like a Cutlass. Nope. Bigger than that, probably. Mm. I didn't see the car. But anyway, I don't know. I don't know what body it would have been. Okay. That's not fine. a G body. Yeah, you're not. You're not into those cars specifically. Yeah, it 
it was like a light metallic blue with a blue Landau top, blue crushed velvet interior. Guy was it a Buick or an Olds? It was a Buick. It was hmm. definitely a Buick because I looked at it to make sure what it was. The guy rolls up and he's waiting there. For, let me. I'm letting him gonna go through to park, and he's sitting in there in a crushed velour Flea tracksuit. He's like, "Oh, this is awesome! Like, I only live like five minutes from here. I'm like, <laughs> All right, like this older guy. I'm like, man, this is like, <laughs> like you've owned this car for a long time, and like that tracksuit is like part of your normal wardrobe. Like, you're totally into Just this. Pulled it out. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah." That was like one standout thing. That was so funny. Um, that's really cool. I wish I knew what kind of car it was. I, w- I wish I knew what the Buick was because I don't remember even seeing it. Again, that just speaks volumes about how many cars were there. Yeah. I didn't notice this Buick. Yeah. And I noticed a lot of the American stuff because a lot of the other Radwoods were heavily European. It's turbo K cars. An army of turbo K cars. That not do- just one. That red Dodge Spirit. Yeah, the one that won Best American Car? Yeah. Yeah, it was like a 91 Dodge Spirit RT. Five-speed. With a five-speed manual? Red wheels. Well, red inserts. Okay. Polished face, red inserts. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the hated polished face black insert wheels we have yeah, nowadays, yeah, but, but red, so it's period correct and cool. So, Yeah, no, I mean, the stuff was just insane. Yeah. There's no other word to describe it. Everything from, you know, our two friends that brought their Delica vans down from Massachusetts at a nice brisk pace of 55 miles an hour mm-hmm. the whole way to Testarossa's. To 348s, 911s, 930s, 993s, 964s, yeah. Toyota Celicas from the 80s, F-bodies. And, of course, an East, no East Coast show is complete without an army of Mark II and Mark III Volkswagens. Mm-hmm. And there was a twin to my car there that won the Jalopnik Award. Yes, yeah, so there were Front two DSMs, and they were both champagne-colored. Yep. <laughs> There's a, a pretty clean... Oh, there's pretty clean stock Starion. There's two... There were at least three Starions total. Two? Two JC swapped Starions? There was only one. One. I was giving misinformation on the other one. So there was a, a champagne-colored Starion. Yep. The red Starion that won the Jalopnik Award. Yep. And the white car with the two J swapped. There might have been a blue one, too, I feel like. I don't remember seeing a blue one, but there's there could so have been many, a blue one. Yeah. So many. Uh, and I was so overwhelmed by the amount of cars that I didn't like see everything. Yeah. Uh, a Quattro Coupe that we posted a picture of on Instagram was yep, amazing. That one best Euro car, I think, right? I think so. Um, there was, or excuse me, raddest Euro. That uh, 4x4 Datsun that I looked over, I thought it was a Toyota at first. Oh, yeah. The, like the, 81 the black or with the orange stripe was awesome yeah, looking. That was neat. That was uh, an import, right? Hand drive diesel. Eric Carahalis brought his Raider. Yep. There were four Monteros. And thank you, Eric, for helping us park cars. Yeah, he helped as well, too. That's great, too. Um, yeah, there was the... Derek from Philly. I don't know his last name. He helped park cars. Yep. And Chris from... Uh, Bring a Trailer. Bring a Trailer helped as yep. well. Yeah. Um, as well as all the guys that organized the show, obviously. All the DWA guys yeah. and Clutch Kick guys. And Brad. Yep. And Brad Bruno. Um There was... Yeah, four Monteros. Because there was the right-hand drive Pajero. Yep. Uh, long wheelbase. Which I shook your hand. I'm sorry. I forget There your was name. the short... Wheelbase, second gen yep. Pajero. I don't diesel. know who that was. Uh, there was Jose with his second gen Montero. Yes. Long wheelbase. Him. And then Eric with his short wheelbase first gen, who we already know. Yep. And then the two Delica vans. So there were six 4x4 Mitsubishis. There's a white Delica van too. Seven 4x4 Mitsubishis, yeah. which is seven more than, six more than any other Radwood before it. Oh. <laughs> How about the, that, uh, the cute older couple that had the blue Hondas? Oh, yeah. They had two, like, minty fresh. I would say, what was it, an 81, they said? Accord? I mean, Civic. Was it 80 or an 81 Civic? Oh, Accord. Excuse me. It was Accord. Accord. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 80, 81, Accord hatchback. Much like the silver one that I used to have. Automatic. Metallic blue. Metallic blue with a blue, like, crushed velour interior. Yeah. And they had, what year was the first year of Acura? 88, 89, 87? 87. I thought it was earlier than that. 86? Yeah, maybe. It was a first-gen Integra, mm-hmm. like pop-up headlight-style Integra mm-hmm. in a blue color that was, mm-hmm. like, immaculately brand mm-hmm. new as well. Now yeah. it's cool to see. Yeah. And they weren't, like, a you know, hipster crowd that everybody was saying the show is full of, oh, it's full of hipsters, whatever. They yeah. were, like, an older couple that no, was there enjoying the day. Into it. It's just, it was such a cool show. Yeah. Oh, and a couple people had set, like, our friend Chris and the Delica had set up a Nintendo and a CRT inside the van with, like, yeah. a power <laughs> inverter and a battery, and they were playing, yeah. like, Duck Hunt and Mario all yeah, day. Yeah, wild. And the people with the Rolls Royce 
um, the Black Rose Convertible. Yeah. They had a CRT set up next to the car, yeah. and they are playing N64. Yeah. And my favorite thing about that car, like, this, this is a cool thing about Redwood, is it doesn't take itself too seriously. Everybody's there for a good time. So you know how the Rolls-Royce has the spirit of ecstasy, the lady yeah. on, on the front? Yeah. They dressed it up in Malibu Barbie clothes. Oh. It was wearing like a pink that, Malibu Barbie vest and like a green Malibu oh, Barbie right. tutu on the spirit of ecstasy on the grill of the car, which was really neat. So early word, they plan on coming back. Yeah. Yeah. They were pretty stoked on the outcome. So, um, so yeah, if you missed it, you should go. If you're sick of us talking about it, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's a good tough. time. Everybody's <laughs> talking about it. We'll promote this until the end of time it, because it's totally our scene and it's totally our people and it's just a it's just a good time. It made an impression. It's on all sorts of places. Actually, the it sp- feels more like a block party than a car show. Yeah, actually, the Sapporo made the slideshow on Car and Driver. It did. The top twelve cars of Radwood, Philadelphia. Talon was in one of the Jalopnik. Yeah, uh, as was the Sapporo. Galleries. Yeah, same same gallery. It's pretty cool. So, I mean, it is. Chris's, what it is. Chris's Delica made yeah, that same Jalopnik. A bunch, a bunch of places. A bunch of places, but also that same Jalopnik article that those the two guys yeah. were in. Let's picture his son playing Mario in the back of it. Pretty neat. Uh, Chris, I know you were unsure about going, but now you're you were totally stoked. That oh you yeah, went. he's totally happy he went. So he had a great time. Plus, he and his family got taken a Flyers game the day before. Yeah. So they made it a whole thing, which is pretty sweet. They said that new mascot's pretty cool. I guess. What's his Gritty. name? Gritty. 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 Yeah, he looks like a meth out cookie monster. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, he's pretty cool. So, yeah, no, it was it was it was a good time, and I can't wait for the next one. Um, for West Coast people, that's L.A. in early December, like the first weekend in December. I believe it's December second. I'm really gonna try to get there. Um, really gonna try we'll to see. get there. Yeah. Um, I want to go. It's tough, period. but we'll see. Yeah, it's hard because it's completely across the country. But I made it last year, and last year was great, and I just want to go back again. So. I just enjoy it. There's nothing else to say about it. I heard from more than one person that doesn't that said they don't even normally enjoy car shows that they had a great time here. So. Yeah. Oh, and there was a costume contest the whole time as well. So yeah. there's on top of the dressing in the rad era clothing, because it was so close to Halloween, they held a costume contest. Um, and I saw a Beetlejuice, a that was Rick. That was Rick. Yep. Um, a Macho Man Randy Savage and, and his female companion was Hulk Hogan. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Even though the DJ at one point called him... Uh, Randy Man R- Savage? R- R- something. R- Randy Man Macho Savage? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Whatever. Um, there were a bunch of cool costumes, but my favorite and everybody's favorite because it won Radish costume was the guy that dressed up like Elliot from E.T. Yeah. And was riding around on a BMX bike and, with a milk crate in the front with a paper mache... E.T. with a light-up finger. Yeah. That was the coolest thing. Oh, yeah. There's a bunch of people with BMX bikes they had lined up with boomboxes. They were all his. Oh, they wow. They all belonged to that guy. He had the teal Mustang Cobra. That was the other 93 yeah, or 92 yeah, Mustang Cobra. And he had another pickup truck that he brought all his bikes in. Yeah, so, that's cool. Cool guy. Yeah, very cool guy. Oh, and what's the – you have a special story about – because you insured – that the car that won raddest of show actually made it in the show. That, that's true. So we were parking cars. I was over, I think I was with Brad still. And this gentleman rolled in in a Ferrari 348, I think. The convertible? Yeah. yeah. I think it was a 348. Yeah, it's a 348. I'm not good with that error of Ferrari number, so if I'm wrong, I apologize. It wasn't a 355, it's a 348. Yeah, it was pre-355. Yeah. Um, and it was rad era, so that would make sense. Mm-hmm. Anyway... So we had opened up some parking spots in the middle of the show, um, and we were trying to fill some cars in there. And I was like, hey, there's a Testarossa parked over there. Yeah, you had to go around the block. It'd be kind of cool to get 348 to park the Testarossa. So I was like, hey, do you want to park over in like the main part of the show? We have a spot next to a Testarossa. It'd be really neat. And he's like, all right. I mean, yeah, that'd be cool. So I tried to explain to him how to get there, and then we couldn't figure it out. So it was like, you know what? Just, why don't, just ride in the car. I'll ride in the car with you, and I'll show you where to go. So already cool. I'm getting to ride in a Ferrari. You know, it's a little bit of highlight of the day. Um, it's a Roadster too. Top was up. It's very difficult to get in and out of a Ferrari 348 Roadster at about six feet tall with the top up. I'm um, not gonna lie, it wasn't fun. So I get in the car. We roll around the block and we go to the main entrance. And there is in front of us this. I don't know what year it was. It was an 88, 89. 
Mercedes sedan, the big S. It might have been. I I think it might even been mid eighties. Regardless, it was this big S class Mercedes in maroon, in maroon, Gold super BBSs. wide body, uh, Koenig special. Yeah, like the Testarossa side strakes, the big wing, four door, four door. Yeah, so it's a, the, that's a bizarre car. Fifteen inch wide wheels. I've like, never seen a four door, a picture of one, let alone one in person. So, I don't know if it was any kind of a real special or not, but there used to be one in Salem that was parked down on Grove Street at Grove Street Auto Body. Mm-hmm. It was white, and of course. Probably on white or red. Yeah, and it had the AMG hammer-style wheels, super deep dish, and it had the TV antenna on the back. Mm-hmm. Very similar style car to this. Anyway, I don't know the history of that car, and it's no longer there. So, it was there in, like, the 90s when it was not cool anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so the guy's trying to pull in. And the security guard was like, man, you can't go this way. They've closed off the lot. The show is full. You have to go elsewhere. And now I'm behind in the Ferrari just as a passenger in a Ferrari. And I jump out of the car and I walk up to the security guard in no official capacity. I don't have anything that says staff. I've never talked to the security guard. Nothing at all. Just walked up to him and I'm like, no, sir. This car is getting in and the Ferrari behind it is getting in. And he just looks at me and he sits back and he's like, what? I mean, do you know where they're going? And I was like, I do. <laughs> so he's like, all right, I guess. And he let us through. <laughs> so me as just like a passenger in this Ferrari who has no idea who the security guy is. And the security guard looks at me and was like, I don't know. I'm not going to fight with this guy. He seems to know what he's talking about. I'm just going to let him go. Let us through. So that was kind of neat because he's trying not to let this car in. And the car wound up winning Radisson show. Yeah. So... It was kind of cool. So I jumped out of the Ferrari, let everybody in. I had I walked in front of them and just had them follow me or all the way around the block, which the Mercedes barely fit through some of these spots because it's so wide mm-hmm. where the cars were parked. Go around the block and park, you know, in like the near the vendor area. Oh, the guy was super into it too. He was guy was so into it. I think his name was Lou. Lou. Um, he'd gotten the car from his willed to him from his friend who yeah, bought it brand new. Yeah, his late friend, and then uh, yeah. It's a cool story about how his friend didn't want to wait for it, so he had bought it here in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, shipped it to Germany, Germany to have them put the wide body on it and do all the modifications. On a Lufthansa. No, and didn't want to wait to send it back on a boat, so he had it. sent it over there. One way or the other, didn't want to wait for a boat, so he had it sent in a Lufthansa jet. <laughs> yeah, both ways. Yeah. <laughs> to which it was immediately like impounded when it landed here. Yeah, because they probably thought the body kit was made of cocaine. Yeah, more than likely, or filled with it. Yeah, and who's to say it wasn't? <laughs> it was the eighties. Hey, whatever, man. <laughs> Had so it yeah, somehow that's a little piece of uh, lore for you. Yeah, Radwood was a great time, no question. I think that's a podcast. I would probably say yes. All right. So as always, please rate, review us on. I mean, your car came home no problem at all. It's just a oh, yeah. cold ending there. Nothing. All right. Nothing at all. It yeah, just literally. I had to leave Sunday night because I had to go to work the next day. Mm-hmm. So we drove home from like 10.30 in Philly till like 4 in the morning yeah. in <laughs> Boston area. But yeah. I have nothing to report. I mean, I have went through that car many years ago and touched basically everything yeah. in it. So it really was not a big deal to yeah. get back going. And I made sure everything was up to snuff on the Sporo yeah. as well. And it was. And actually, I keep forgetting now. I'm like, oh, yeah, that car is back on the road. Like, Yeah, I can drive it. <laughs> Yeah. Just go drive it. It's yeah, so same weird. Same with me with the Sapporo. It's been not quite as long, but it's been a couple of years. Yeah. That's ah, cool. It's really cool. That was, uh, that was good motivation to get those projects uh, back on track. For so. sure. Um, there's more to be done to it, but now the the big hurdle is that it's drivable. So. Yep. One last announcement. There is something coming up, not this weekend, but next weekend. There is still space available, I found out. Um, so if you want to look up the New England Flatlanders, or Northeast Flatlanders, Northeast Flatlanders, Northeast Flatlanders yes. they are doing a charity event. Toys for Tots. Toys for Tots. And a trail cleanup. And a trail cleanup the weekend after this. Um, so look up Northeast Flatlanders on Facebook, look up the group, and I think there's still the five weekend, or six spots left. Weekend of Halloween, the weekend before Halloween, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that's the podcast. Uh, please rate and review us on iTunes. That helps us out. Uh, as always, you can follow us on... Facebook, Auto Off Topic Podcast. Uh, go follow Southern New Hampshire Cars and Coffee for at least the last um, event of this season and for the uh, as soon as they're starting up in the next spring, uh, you'll be in the loop. And uh, you can follow us on Instagram, Auto Off Topic 
and myself on Instagram, raced in anger. And as always, me on Instagram at TSISS350. All right, keep cars analog and aim for the roses. Log?